Um, for those of you that don't know me, I am Kenny. I'm our youth pastor here, um, and I get the opportunity to come and talk to y'all tonight, or this morning. Sorry, Wednesday nights are a normal thing, so um, I'm probably, probably going to have it more than once. Um, but yeah, we're going to be in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 12 through 17. And uh, we've been going through this series on Romans, and before we even started it, Gordon and I were kind of talking, and we had just gone through this with the students. And so I was really excited to hear this being taught again, because Romans is one of these books that I could go through every single day for the rest of my life, and I would still be finding more and more out of it. It's just that good. And then Romans 8 even stands out amongst Romans itself as this just incredible, uplifting love and hope and trinity-filled chapter that we have these blessed assurances and promises from God um, that we are going to look at uh, this morning. And so it starts out in verses 12 and 13, a little bit of a recap of last week, and then we're going to get into um, a little bit uh, of new stuff this morning. So if y'all would stand, and we're going to read verses 12 through 17 together. It says this, So then, Brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the Spirit as adoption, as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified with him. Y'all can be seated. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get going. Hopefully we'll have you all out of here by dinner at some point. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you for this time that you've given us. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to come and explore your word. God, I thank you for these incredible assurances and promises that you've given us. I thank you that you are on our side, that you are for us. And God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we were able to just learn more about you each and every time we dive into this. And God, I pray that this morning it would be your word heard and nothing else. And God, I thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, last week we, we looked at Romans 8, verses 2 through 8, and kind of this, this idea of the, the believer that's struggling with the sin in their lives from Romans chapter 7. And then uh, the, you get to Romans 8, and it's just this overcoming, this overpowering of that sin struggle in your life that Paul is talking about. And he's charging you to be perfect, to love God perfectly, to worship perfectly, to, to battle sin perfectly. And so he kind of comes to this, this idea that, that it, it is possible. It is possible for us to overcome this. And that this morning is exactly what we are going to be looking at. And so Romans 7, like I said, is just the struggle and that we fall and that we fail and we do what we don't want to. And then you get to Romans 8 where it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And Paul could have just stopped right there. He could have stopped writing. I mean, he's, uh, that's, that's it. And that would have been amazing enough. But he keeps on going. 
and he, and, he, and he qualifies this, and he kind of shows how this happens. And, and when we look at Jesus, and we look at his words, this repent and follow me. And it's at that point when we come to this, and we, we, we honor these words in our heart, and we come to Christ, and we have this moment of salvation, this fixed moment in our lives, that this verse, Romans 8.1, rings true. That at that point of salvation, that we are no longer condemned. Not that that debt was erased or that it went away, but that it was paid in full by the blood of Christ and by what he did for us on that cross. You see, at that one moment, we can find assurance in this verse that we are no longer condemned. But it's kind of twofold because it starts us on this other word, this other process called sanctification. And that's just a $2 word to mean growing to be like Christ, okay? And so this, this, this moment in your life when you, when you are saved, you are no longer condemned, Christ has taken that, you repent and follow him, is this one moment. It sets you on this path of becoming like Christ, and that's a process, and it takes time, and we're going to fall, and we're going to fail, and it's not going to be perfect until we get up to heaven, and we are in perfect unison with God. But that doesn't stop Paul from saying, hey, you need to achieve, you need to be acting as though it is perfect. And so we get to verses 12 and 13 this morning. In verse 12, uh, it, it talks about, uh, so then brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Our debt was paid. And the debt he's talking about is actually back from Romans chapter 6, verse 23, when it says, for the wages of sin is death. So as we live our lives, we earn the wage of death. Everything we do, everything before Christ that we have done, everything, every part of our lives have earned us death. But Paul is saying no longer. We are no longer owed that because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. He has paid that debt. For if you live according to the flesh, in Romans 8, 13, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And Paul is saying, we can do this. And it's not by your strength or mine, but by the Spirit. We put to death the things of the flesh. We put to death. And so what, what Paul does in these next few verses, is he tells us exactly what that looks like. How do we live our way how do we live our life this way? How do we overcome sin in our own lives? And it's through the Spirit by God as we look through verses 14 through 16. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, you see, we were adopted by God. We are, we are taken up out of where we were and brought into the household of God. And through these few verses, just right here, we actually see the full trinity of God at work. We see that through the, the work that Christ did on the cross, we are now adopted into the family of God by the spirit that he has given us. We've got the entire power of the trinity, all of God working on our behalf. All of God focused in on this one idea. And if we were to look back in Ephesians chapter 1, and that, it's like the whole chapter, so we're not going to read through all of that, but it says that God has had a plan for us 
from the foundation of the earth. Before the earth was ever created, he had a, a plan. And that plan was for you and I to be made holy and blameless before him. He chose us for adoption. You see, before the earth was made, before Adam and Eve, before sin, before death, before your great, 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 great parents, before anything happened, God already had a plan for you. God had a plan for you specifically to be brought to him through this adoption. Church, that is an incredible, loving, caring thought that he cares that much about you that generations and generations and thousands of years beforehand, he already had a plan for you. And that plan was adoption. So I want to take a few minutes and just talk about what adoption looks like. Because I think a lot of us, we, when we, we hear the word adoption, we see, we might think of a couple that have adopted a child, or we might know somebody. And so we've got, um, Carrie and I have our, our friends here, and they, uh, they have an incredible story. And I, and I talked with them beforehand, and so they said I could share a little bit about this. And I want to kind of bring all of this in so that we can truly understand this, this uh, adoption that, that we're looking at. And so five years ago, Chris and Liz, they, they, they are following Jesus. They feel very strongly, and they're following him. They're passionate about it. And they have this little girl, and they come to a point in their family where they feel like God's called us to adoption. And so they go through, and they're praying, and they're going through this strenuous background and all these things going on, and they're going through this process to try and go through foster care because they wanted to foster a child and then work on adopting that child that came into their home. And so as time goes on and the work goes on, they, they get a placement. And his name is Marcus. And he's a, he's a, he's a small child, and he is fun-loving and awesome, and he's great. And Marcus came over, and we met him, and he's just a, this incredible young, just loves-life child. And they brought him in, and they loved him, and they, and they cared for him, and they brought him into a loving home. But unfortunately, that wasn't the end of the story. Some things happened. The state got involved, and a biological grandmother came in and took him away, and then they left the state, and Marcus was gone. There was nothing that they could do about it. And this heartbreak and anguish and this brokenness in this family for this child that they knew was not in a good situation. And in addition to that, they had some other life happenings going on, and so they decided to take a, a, a pause. They wanted to take a step back from fostering to heal. Because the brokenness, and that Carrie and I, we were walking beside them, and we could we just felt helpless. Like we don't, we, we couldn't truly understand, even though we were heartbroken as they were, but we just couldn't quite understand the depth of it. Well, some time passes and they decide, you know what? We, we, we still feel strongly about this. And they re-entered the, the process to, to go through foster care. And they re-entered all of this and they go through the process again. And uh, Chris and I were actually out playing golf one day and he gets a phone call from Liz, and he's saying, hey, um, we're going to get a placement. And I was like, okay, great. You know when? And he was like, no, he'll be there when we get home from golf. And I was like, oh, okay. I didn't know it worked like that, but apparently it does. And that baby boy was James, and James is actually here with us today. Um, but 699 days later, 
And so I, I do know that number is accurate. I got it from Liz. Um, they were able to adopt James. James is going to turn three this summer, and James is awesome. Him and my youngest son are very much cut from the same cloth. Um, they are basically the same kid made over, and they are so fun, and they wear their emotions on their sleeves, and they play hard, and they love hard, and they care when they want to, and they're just awesome. <laughs> All the parents, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but they brought James out of this, this situation where he was, when he was born, he, was on, he had cocaine in his system. Birth mom had tried to sell another one of her children. It was a horrible, broken situation that they brought him out of him, out of. And they brought them into a loving and caring and God-centered home, and they gave this child a completely new life. Church, that is what adoption is. When God says you have the spirit of adoption, when he says that you are a son or daughter of God, you are his. He has pulled you out of the sin. He has pulled you out of the grave. He has pulled you out of wherever you were and brought you into an entirely new life. Not because of anything you or I did. Not because of anything you or I deserve but because he was seeking after you thousands of years before you were ever born. Because that was his plan for his love for you. It would be insane to think that James, at four days old, sought after Chris and Liz. It would be even more insane to think that Chris and Liz went and moved in to the brokenness that James was living. No. They sought after him, even when they didn't know it yet, even through the heartbreak and even through years beforehand, they didn't quite know what it was exactly going to look like. They were seeking after him and they didn't move into that brokenness. No, they pulled him out of it completely and they brought him into an entirely new life. Church, that is what God does for you and I. So why then do we try and run back to that grave? Why do we run back to the brokenness of the world and the sin that was in our lives? We have been pulled out of that. We are completely new. But Paul understands that it's a struggle. He does. And that's why verse 17 is in there. Because when I first read it, I was like, that doesn't really fit. Like, I don't understand what you're talking about. This is so beautiful. But verse 17 says this, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. As an heir, you are a part of that family completely. You are brought in and you are given a share of everything God has. You are given a part of everything in all of creation that is good. There is absolutely no separation between you and God, and you are with Christ. Provided that we suffer with him. And I, and I was just kind of going back and forth, and the more I read it, the less I was like, what are you talking about? See, none of us want to suffer 
Yet Paul is telling us that we, that we have to. James, uh, John, Jesus himself, all these other authors of the scriptures tell us that we will suffer. You see, go back with me for a moment in that story with Chris and Liz before James into, the care, in, into their life and they, the heartbreak that they, they were experiencing with Marcus. You see, for all of us in here, we can't truly understand that heartbreak. We can't understand the depths of that circumstance. But through that heartbreak, there was growth. You see, through that unimaginable pain, there was drawing close. They drew closer together as a couple. They drew closer together with God. There was growth in their spiritual lives. And that in serving Marcus in the time that they had him and loving and caring and doing all they could for that child while they had him, they were growing. And when they suffered that heartbreak and said, you know what? That's not going to stop me from doing God's work and going back into the foster system. The system hadn't changed. It's still very broken. But going back into that, knowing the heartbreak, knowing how hard it would be, the glory of God that was revealed through that is so much greater than it was before. They were better able to care. They were better able to understand what these children have to go through. They were better able to reflect God's glory through that heartbreak, through that suffering. I look at our student ministry, and I see students that are hurting and broken, and they, they, they're falling apart, as it seems. And, and there have been nights where Carrie and I are just sitting there, and we're just crying over the struggles that these people are dealing with, these students are dealing with, and we're crying out to God, and we're like, I don't understand. Why do they have to suffer this? Why do they have to go through this? But then, when we have a moment like we did last year, where a student gives his life to Christ, and they come to be baptized, man, it's a party. And we are so joy-filled. And I remember the day that, that James was adopted. I'm sorry. But I remember the day that James was adopted. And we threw this huge party, and we had all the family and everything, and it was incredible. Just being able to share in that glory of understanding the heartbreak that we had to go through, that this family had to go through to get there, just makes that glory that much greater. And that's when verse 18 comes in. I don't even think I put it up there. But it says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, they're not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Paul says it's going to be hard. There's going to be heartbreak. That's not a reason not to do it. You see, while it's hard now, the glory that is to come, it's, it, it makes this look like nothing. The celebration when that student gives their life, that celebration at that moment of adoption, that celebration of God's glory and God's work in those around us completely outweighs the heartbreak that we had to go through to get there. 
Church, there is right now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are no longer in debt to the flesh. He's paid that cost. By the Spirit of God, we are able to overcome the world. We know this because we are completely taken out of the grave. We are taken out of that sin. We are taken out of that death. And we are given new life with a perfect Father. We are brought into a new home in heaven. We are brought into a new family of God. And it's not always going to be easy. But we know that through those times there is growth. And we are going to be able to love and show God's glory that much greater. Later on in this chapter, not to give out a spoiler, but Paul's going to ask this question, you know, if God is for us, who could be against us? No, we are more than conquerors. Church, the reason that we are able to conquer, the reason that we are able to overcome, it's not because of anything we've done. It's because the full power, the full trinity of God is displayed in our adoption by him when we are pulled out of whatever we were in and placed into his new family for eternity. I don't know how many of y'all know this, but when you, when you adopt a child, they take the old birth certificates and the old social security cards and everything that was that about that child, and they, they throw them away. They're destroyed. There's no longer a record of who that child was. And they are given a new birth certificate with their new name, a new social security card, a new identity in their new life. The old has passed away and the new has come. It is no longer you that lives, it is Christ that lives in you. Church, when you are at this moment of salvation, God has pulled you out completely of where you were. And that is why we are overcomers. That is why we are conquerors, not by anything we've done. It is completely on him. And there is nothing in this world that could ever come between you and him, knowing that he is for you. Nothing can stand against you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time that you've given us. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to come and explore your word and grow in your will. God, I thank you for your promises, your assurances that we are brought into your family. God, that we would be made new completely, that the old is gone and we are no longer that person anymore. God, I thank you for each and every person in here today, and I pray that they would find comfort and assurance in your promises. God, thank you for this morning, and I pray that as we would come to know you more, that we would just find love and joy, peace, and all of the fruits of the Spirit in you. Just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The communion elements are in the seat in front of you. If you would, join us as we take a time in remembrance of him.
time.